are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. It's up to me to be the very best I can be. And it's up to you. show is your inspirational go-to platform for behind the scenes with industry professionals and talent in Christian entertainment and successful small businesses. Join us today as my guests will be Bob and Jeannie Arnold, former director and youth leaders in Youth for Christ for 40 years, to talk about their book, When the Circle is Broken, Our Journey Through Deep Sorrow and Surprising Joy in the Loss of Our Daughter. If you were struggling at this time from either past or recent loss in your own life, then please stay tuned and maybe be prepared to have a notepad handy. And I'm your host, Gabby G, because I was born with the gift of gab, a trait that each of my friends and family can all attest to. So whether you like to talk a lot like me or you're just a great listener, please join me in my virtual Gabby G Cafe and be inspired along with me as I introduce to you each morning another fabulous guest to inspire and educate you. Each week, I will welcome our guest and invite you to join me in conversations on diverse topics that relate to our journeys in awakening and living in our life purpose. I'm blessed and humbled to be a part of this Christ-led team, and I do not take this opportunity to serve as your host for granted. Here at Up To Me Magazine, we love to encourage and empower each other to be the best that we can be. So this program is truly meant to be a platform of voices to be heard and expressed in a safe and non-judgmental environment. Our podcast can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. Simply search for Up To Me Radio. Up To Me Radio is proud to announce our new trademark and registered station name, WUMRDB, as members of the National Association of Digital Broadcasters. We encourage you to visit our website at www.up2meradio.com and go to our Up To Me magazine show page to describe to subscribe for updates, free gifts, sponsored promotions, and more. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at Up To Me Radio. Well, I feel so honored to introduce my very special guest to you this morning. 
As leaders of Metro Maryland Youth for Christ for 40 years, I have personally benefited from their many years of ministry, training, and leadership as a young woman in my 20s who accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was invited to a home Bible study whose members were involved in their ministry. Over the years, I've watched them from afar, Bob and Jeannie Arnold personally ministering, caring for, and investing themselves and their family in the lives of so many other families and their children and demonstrating the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. They have dedicated their lives to serving and sharing Christ with thousands of youth through conferences, retreats, Bible studies, sports events, one-on-one counseling, and ministering. They are beloved families throughout the Christian and Baltimore community and in other parts of our nation through their leadership and personal character. In their book, When the Circle is Broken, Bob and Jeannie and their children, Robert Jr., Julie, and V, share the intimate spiritual journey of a family's deepest pain and sorrow and the many ways God met their heartache through surprising joy. Because I know that many of us have recently experienced such loss in our own personal lives, it is through the openness and wisdom of their experience that I've asked them to share their journey with us today. Please help give me a very warm welcome to Bob and Jeannie Arnold. Good morning, Bob and Jeannie. Good morning, Gail. Good morning. Thank you both so much for taking the time to be with here, us here this morning and being willing to share your intimate journey with us. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very special to be with you. I'm really looking for together for the time we have. You know, so many roots. So we do, we do, and um, I just feel like you're so brave. Uh, and first, mm-hmm. before we get started, let me just say, um, on behalf of myself and our listeners and everybody here at Up to Me Radio, um, please accept our deepest condolences um, on the tr- uh, tremendous loss of your daughter Marcy. I, but to make sure you know um, how deeply we feel your your loss and your your sorrow. You know, I think from the very moment that we learn we're going to be parents, we instinctively want to protect our children and keep them safe. And that dreaded phone call in the middle of the night is always a parent's worst nightmare. And yet, that's exactly what happened to your family. Can you tell us what happened? Well, we were out that night with some friends and came home, and about 11.30 or 12 o'clock, I was in the bathroom. Jeannie answered a call, and she she started, you know, screaming and basically saying, who are you? How can you be saying this? What is this, a prank call? Marcy's not dead. And then by that time I got in the room, then I picked the phone up, and he said the same thing to me that he he said to Jeannie. He said, "Uh, this is a coroner from Horry County, South Carolina. And I'm at your daughter's apartment, and uh, she is dead. And mm. at that point, you know, it's just total chaos range. What, you know, I'm thinking, can I possibly pray that she comes back to life? What can I do? There's, right. You know, at that point, grief and sorrow just hold all the cards. Death just has determined everything. And it just, uh, it was just so overwhelming. You know, we just didn't know what possibly to do. And, her daughter Julie was in the house, and she came up because she heard the noise, and she said, "What happened?" And she was the one in the family that was the closest to Marcy, and we told her Marcy had died, and she just started screaming, and she was so so upset. And so, you know, at, at that point, 
you know, what do you do? You you know, I couldn't call my friends. It's too late in the morning to call my friends. And Julie went downstairs and called her best friend, Lindsay, and Lindsay told her parents and her, her Lindsay's parent father came over and another really good friend of ours, Jim Gorman came over and for about the next four or five hours, we were just sitting in our living room and nobody really said anything. I mean, they were smart enough not to try to give us, you know, early answers about what's going on here and what's happening. They, they were just because we, we, we were close families and they knew Marcy as, you know, as well as anybody. And we just sat there quietly not knowing what to do. And uh, sort of like Job sitting on the ash heap, you know, it's just overwhelming. Well, that's when I read this in your story, and, and I'll preface this to say to everyone that this is a book that, um, as you're reading, will, um, will, will give you a lot of heart surgery. You have to read this book and process it by you you read and you you you're you're reading what Bob just told what Bob just expressed to us, and I just so many times had to just put the book down and process what I just read, and thinking in my heart if this is hard for me to read how much more difficult was it for you to live it, and so I was you process everything at the time that you do so, you're almost in real time as you're reading this book and, and feeling the moment with you. And it's beautifully written, and um, you can feel the Holy Spirit in your words, Bob. So I just want, and also Jeannie, in, um, just in the way you express your raw emotions. And so that's why I just wanted to thank you for being um, brave enough and courageous enough to, to just come on and express um, th- those difficult moments in time. So literally in one phone call, your lives are halted and they're changed forever. And I'm so um, thankful. Um, you know, you said, I can't call people in the middle of the night, but in those times I think it's perfectly fine to call people, your friends in the middle of the night, and they, they, the Lord knew that. And so he did that through Julie um, so that you could get Jim and, and Gary over there to um, just be with you. And I think you're right in times like that. I think one of the most helpful things is just to say nothing, just to be there just being there yep. in the moment and soaking it in and trying to process your mind. And so what I was going to ask is that, you know, in, in those, what did, how, how did you uh, process what you learned in the coming minutes and hours and days and weeks? And so, you know, what helped or didn't help you in those times? Well, one of the things is we wrote this book and we wanted to be as honest as we possibly could. You know, I wrote 1,500 pages of, mm. in my journal over the next three years, and a lot of the book is those things because they were really interacting with how I was thinking and feeling. But, you know, just two experiences I think that, you know, were powerful. You know, we woke up, you know, we didn't wake up the next morning. We were awake the next morning, and all these people started coming to our house, and Jeannie's sister-in-law was was in the funeral business, and she said to us, "Well, uh, this is going to cost between ten and fifteen thousand dollars." And wow. at that point, Gail, I had eighty-seven dollars in the bank, which is a normal, a normal number for a youth, youth worker. So mm-hmm. shortly thereafter, one of our good friends and board member came up to us and said, "Don't worry about the cost of this funeral; we'll pay for everything." Oh my goodness. See how the Lord, that just makes me cry. See how the Lord just steps in. Um, and throughout this journal, throughout this story that you tell, um, 
in the times of, of your most uh, critical, intense moments, you see the hand of God throughout the whole book and how he meets everybody at their place um, in their most critical time, which we'll explore in just a few minutes. But um, how were you able, because we're, how were you able to make a rational decision in those early days um, afterwards? Because in the telling of your story, you were saying that you only had about um, 24 hours, and the coroner calls you back and says, what do you want us to do with her body? Right. Can you talk about, uh, and it's been 24 hours. How do you rationally, you can't even process what has happened, and now you're having to make that decision. Um, can you talk about that? None of us have experience in terms of, I don't, you no. know, I'm, right. I'm thinking, man, moving very, very fast, you know, and he's saying, well, you got to worry about the body decaying and all this. And, oh. you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I just took a little bit of time and figured at that point in time that the best thing we could do is, you know, basically cremate her body and have her body sent sent to Baltimore. I didn't know what, what else we could do at that point. And uh, so, you you know, what happens, Gail, when, the, when this occurs you go into shock, and yeah. you're in shock a couple months. It's not just a shock that night, but without that shock, you could never handle something this this momentous, you know. And so, uh, it just we had to make decisions, and the next thing you know, so uh, you know, the night after Marcy died, I was I had to go downstairs and sleep on the couch, and the pain was so intense. I literally thought I was die. I didn't think I would make it through. The- God bless you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, on on top of that, um, and Jeannie, I wanted you to speak to this. Um, this was one of the moments that I'm going to ask you to speak about where I had to put the book down. And this is where I get emotional because I'm a mom. Um, on top of all that, Jeannie, you had a particularly traumatic experience with um, the story of um, when Marcy, Marcy's ashes arrived at your house. Um, yes. Would you be willing to share that with us? Yes. Well, um, who did who hmm. who told us that Marcy was coming? On? Yeah, they, they alerted us that, that the ashes were going to be coming that day. It was Tuesday. Yeah, it was um, via hmm. UPS mail. And I thought that was like crazy so anyways I um, parked myself on the front porch early and I guess it was hours I sat there waiting and then finally when the mailman came he was carrying a uh, black plastic container and there was powder coming out of it at the bottom and so he's spreading Marcy's ashes on our front yard and I'm just like oh my word yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, and, huh? and go ahead. I think the, when I told the mailman what he was doing, he was like horrified. And I mean, he was—he's a nice guy. I don't blame him at all. It was the way it was done, and um, so that was that was interesting. That whole experience. So, so when I read. Yes, I went out on the porch, and I'm like, God, show me here what's happening. I, I just, I don't know. You know and, what? Um, yeah. Well, I want to add to that um, from the pages that you wrote. 
and I know it's difficult to talk about, so I'm, I'm, I appreciate the fact that you even were willing to share that. Um, when I read this as a mom, mm-hmm. I had to put the book down, and I just mm-hmm. prayed, and I cried for you in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think anybody can identify with that who's a parent. Um, and I just, I was um, devastated for you um, because, and then at that time, my son happened to come into the room to ask me something, and he goes, Mom, why are you crying? And I explained to him what I was doing and what book I was reading and um, what had happened, and I, I read this to him, and he just put his hand to his ears, and he goes, I can't, that's too hard for me to listen to, Mom, please. And I, he goes, why are you reading this? And I said, do you have to read the whole book? And I said, yes. I said, as difficult it is for me to walk through and read this with um, with them, they experience this. And it's important for us to realize that. And as, But at the end of your telling of this, um, you describe how you went out on the back porch and, and you just yelled at God like you're angry and of course that's a natural reaction that you know for you to be angry I was angry for you like how can this happen why wasn't this sent UPS like overnight sealed in a in a bag and then put in a box that was sealed that there's no excuse for that to be leaking like that and that's just adding insult to injury to your to your your pain and um, so it made me angry and it and it upset me as well and in it though um at the end, when you said, like, you were, you were just crying out to God on the porch, and mm-hmm. you opened your Bible to John sixteen nineteen to 22. And I'll, if you don't mind, I just want to quote that um, in part. She yeah. said, a woman, a woman giving birth to a child is pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you now is the time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. And then you yes. describe – go ahead. Well, that I opened that up just without knowing what it was going to be. And so when it went on, I, I, God just totally spoke to me. And I, I really had a peace sitting there on that back porch. Just when so I read easy. that – what you just mm-hmm. said, like you got that piece after you read that. Um, the Lord, I heard the Holy Spirit in my head say to me, it's beauty for ashes. It's beauty for ashes because, um, and I just started crying and crying. So I said to my son, the reason I have to read this is because, yes, as hard as it is, um, the Lord brought beauty um, and he met Miss Jeannie at her place there in that moment because she needed him and he spoke to her and gave her the peace she needed in that moment to reconcile what had just happened and to give her peace to go on in that moment isn't that beautiful i mean there's so many beautiful moments god's grace throughout this and um i just really genie to just read what she wrote in the book because it's it's really beautiful and it's you know sort sort of summarizing what you're saying yeah right here Okay, I felt an incredible personal encounter with God despite the horror of the moment. When I die, I will see God and I will see Marcy. What a comfort. When God met me, I was able to be at peace with all that had just happened. God is a great father in times of trouble. 
And you you certainly embody that like throughout your whole book. Like and your willingness to allow yourselves to go through this process and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Um but you allowed yourself to go through that process. And it's okay to be angry, right, Bob? It's okay to express that anger because God gets that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I love that that part in the book too. Like it's okay. You can give your permission, give uh, yourself permission to get angry and well, shout. God has pretty big shoulders, so He can handle any any of our concern, and He completely understands in these circumstances, you know, why why we would be angry. And you know, one of the things I've concluded from this book is, you know. Death is our enemy, death is God's enemy, and Christ conquered death on the cross. And I think that's very helpful. And, you know, I, if you read the book of Psalms, and you, which is a, a, a whole group of people being very honest with God, you, you see those people in their prayers, which were model prayers, being very angry, feeling God's abandoned them, and having really despairing, you know, feelings about what's going on in the world. But, you know, so... For people that are angry, that you know, that hit, for me, I was able to express that in my journals. And, you know, other people have other ways, but don't be afraid, you know, of expressing your anger at God. The, the other thing is, Gail, you know, which to me is a beautiful thought from Teresa of Avila, and that is God felt our sorrow before we felt the sorrow. And he had tears before we had tears. At the moment of death, he was there with mercy. And, you know, uh, That's right. he felt the depth of our sorrow. And so, see, sometimes we forget that our children, you know, are not just our children. They're God's children first. And so the sorrow we felt, he he was feeling mm. that thing. And we forget that, I think, sometimes. Um, why do you think people question God at that time? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that happen, you know, people hear that God took their, their, ch- their child or that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, God's in control of any, everything. So why did, why didn't he stop my child from dying? And, you know, I don't believe that God took Marcy. I, you know, uh-uh. we have natural consequences in our life, which are unfortunate and that's what happened. And God suffers along with those things. And so, you know, I think people have re you know, it's reasonable to be angry about what happened. And, you know, I think of all the people that all the young people that die in the inner city and, you know, just absolute evil in terms of those people being killed. And I could see where they'd be so angry, but they so much need to know that, you know, God is with them. God is a great father in these times of trouble. And it's okay to be angry and, you know, with God. But also it's very, very important to understand that he's with us in the midst of this. And he, he is love, and he, he's caring. He's, he's willing to carry us. And God is, like Jeannie said, God is a great father in times of trouble. I thought that was beautiful, Jeannie, when you said that. That I was like, you know, there was, a, he gives us that little bit of joy that we need um, yep. in, that, in yep. those moments, you know. And I was like, yep. I, that, that helped me to wipe my tears a little bit and go, okay. And then also, um, it wasn't ironic to me at all that um, I think you stated in that story also that the the mail carrier happened to be someone who knew Marcy and was a friend of hers. Yeah, he had known her from Myr- from Myrtle Beach. Is that amazing? <laughs> he I vacationed mean, 
Ojibwe Beach and had met Marcy there. And when he came here to our house, he didn't, he didn't put it together that, you know, we were Marcy's parents until he's bringing the ashes. Oh, he must have been devastated himself. He was. Wow. Well, after that, then you were able to have your funeral service. So, um, because you were waiting for the ashes to come so that you could do the funeral service. So can you tell us what that day must have been like for your family? Well, you know, it's going to the funeral home and doing all those arrangements beyond comprehension. But so we went to the funeral home and obviously, you know, we didn't know what to expect. Of course, we're still in a state of shock. And so we had a service from three to five and, the room was pretty full, and a lot of our friends were there, and it was really a wonderful time. But when we got back to the funeral home, we got there about 5 after 7, and the service started at 7 o'clock. The funeral home, there was two rooms completely packed with people. These were people that knew Marcy from elementary school. I coached in soccer, you know, from their schools, all their schools, all the kids, their people came, friends from high school came friends from college came. It was just an amazing night. And people afterwards told us that they could not get in the parking lot because there was no more space. And they actually had to call police in in order to direct all the traffic that was there. And people were calling other people and said, if you're coming to a funeral, there's no funeral home. There's no point in coming because there's no, there's just no way to get in. Mm. So that was an amazing night, you know, for all the people from all of our life. And you know, Gail, it says in the scriptures that, you know, it's better to be in the house of sorrow than to, and to be in the house of pleasure. And what you said earlier is very important. People's presence at a funeral home is so, so important. It means so much to the people. And the other thing is you don't have to say anything to people. Being there in your presence is more than enough. And mm-hmm. sometimes people with good intentions stumble about what to say. But right. when you go there... If you just say, I miss that person, I'll do anything I can for you. That's all you need to say. There's no verse. There's no anything you can say that can really, you know, help you deal with this problem. But there there was was a comment someone said that did help you. Right. Yes. And this one guy comes up to me and he says, you know, of course, I've been working in Youth for Christ and helping people come to the Lord for Mm -hmm. 40 years. He comes up and he says, you know, I've got something I want to say to you. God understands fully what, what what has happened to you guys. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, God does fully understand what happened. And he goes, you might not know this, but you're part of a family that's very, very distinct. And that's a family of people that lost a child. And God had lost a child also, and he's included in that family. <laughs> so he can understand. And that, that was really a breakthrough idea for me. Wow. I know we don't think about... Sometimes we don't think about our heavenly creator, Father. Right. And and he, you know, in the beginning, the word was flesh. I mean, the word, you know, mm-hmm. um, the word became flesh, which was Jesus, and he mm-hmm. came to earth for us. And he didn't have to allow him to come in and suffer and die for our transgressions. He could have kept him in heaven with him. And so he sacrificed his own son and watched him go through all that pain and suffering for us. And right. so, so in that, you know what, that was a concept for me as well um, that I didn't really think about either until you said that. And 
there's another moment I had to put the book down and just cry. And then I put worship music going after that and just praise God for his love and his understanding and his compassion. Because Jesus is an empath. Like he empathizes and he knows and he understands. He rose Lazarus from the dead, yet he wept for Lazarus. Yeah. And, you know, so he it's he understands you're right. And um um, also, I wanted to kind of speak to this, too, because um, your friend Bev Gorman gave a beautiful, beautiful eulogy for Marcy, mm-hmm. and she gave you an amazing gift, um, a book and a, and a mm-hmm. statue, and please help me brush up on my Italian, Bob, because is it Piatta? Piatta? Piatta, yeah. Piatta, thank yeah. you. Or in English, it's the piety. Um, and yeah. I think that kind of speaks to what we're just talking about. Can can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, we were reading Ken's Ken Gar's book, and I can't think of the title right now. But uh, Ken became a friend friend of ours, and there's another story with Ken and his daughter, which happened, he and she ended up having the same thing Marcy did. But uh, it's basically the story of how Michelangelo formed the Pieta. Now, the Pieta is the story of Mary holding. Jesus's broken body mm. and it's a very very powerful piece and so we're reading this book and it's you know Gary and Laura and all these people we're all in the Bible study and we're all lamenting and mourning about Marcy's death and at the same time you know we're reading this book which is really helping us to see what's going on but in the middle of the Bible study it dawned on me that Marcy's middle name is well Marcy's name is really uh, a feminine name of the of the name Mark and Mark is basically, the meaning of it is like an anvil, you know, and an anvil is a tool that an artist use, uses to form, you know, to form the, you know, the painting or to, to form or to form sculptures. And so, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is what Marcy did her whole life. She was always, you know, we were on a retreat with a bunch of kids. This one kid, 17 years old, is going to prison the next week. And who's sitting there talking to him and counseling but 10-year-old Marcy? <laughs> and, they, I mean, life helping beautiful. people. Yeah. And so, you know, we didn't really notice much around Marcy's grave, but we go to the, you know, go to the cemetery on Christmas, and lo and behold, we well, look right behind Marcy, and there is this huge statue of the Pieta. Now. <laughs> yeah, my father had bought a bunch of plots way, way back, and when he passed away, he was buried, you know, in front of the Pieta, and Marcy is, like, around the other side of the Pieta, so. Did you not recognize that before, because you had you been to your we father's never, grave? Never, and you never, no, I did. I knew it was there. Well, you know, <laughs> but we never really put all the pieces of Marcy being an anvil, and then that mm-hmm. being right there as a symbol right. of, you know, it was a powerful moment, so. And you probably didn't, you might have known it was there, Jeannie, but never thought too much about it. Um, but the Lord yeah. did, and he knew you would need that one day to be yeah, there. Yeah, I know. That, that's a, that, it was, that was even a very great gift for me. It was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, no. it's these beautiful gifts that the Lord um, gave to you throughout your journey. And um, yeah. I wanted to just speak to something, Jeannie, that I love the way um, you described uh, Marcy's essence and Bob you just touched on that and part of my memory in your book 
and I'm going to quote Eugenie because I just love this, if you don't mind. Um, Bob and I have been blessed with God's mercy, God's mercy, goodness, concern, grace, love, faithfulness, and generosity. Marcy not only experienced the same gifts from God during her 23 years with us, but she turned them around and offered them to all those around her. And yep. Bob, you just, you know, I just, that made me cry because, and you said you received like over 400 cards and letters and expressing, you know, people's love for her and their remembrances of her and how she helped them. And that's something that I, I only met her a few times just in the times because she was probably in middle school when I was attending your Bible studies and involved in um, the Youth for Christ events and and I would see Marcy yep. there, and I, you know, I would see her from afar, and I, it spoke to me in my heart. I said, oh, there's, there's Marcy Arnold, but I always had a feeling of um, that she had leadership skills, and she, would, I, I felt like she was mature for her years. Um, yeah, I call her the Piper. <laughs> you call her what? Pied Piper. The Pied Piper, yeah, because she always had younger kids around her. This is the other thing I was going to say that. Um, she not only had leadership abilities, but she was so caring and loving to other children her age and younger. And for middle school kids, sometimes middle school kids don't want to be bothered like with younger kids, but she went out of her way to be caring towards them, to include them, to help them. And I just said to myself, you know, I saw her light um, all the time in that. And, you know, for... Um, for most families, um, the funeral service is what is the final marker for a new right. normal. Um, and we call it a new normal, and I'm quoting that in air quotes, you know, the new normal of life without our loved ones and having to move on without their presence. But your family um, had one final, I think, excruciating task that you had to describe in your book, Bob, as the worst day has come. And I wanted you and Jeannie both to um, speak about that day um, because I think you both had important moments that you wanted to share about it. Yeah. Well, of course, even thinking about doing this was, you know, very, very scary. But then the events of the day leading up to getting to Myrtle Beach just were increased the anxiety, you know, that at that point in time, that Beltway sniper was carrying on. And oh. we Right through that. Harrisburg, Harrisonburg, Harrisonburg, or what is it, Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg, Virginia. And at the same time, he was there was a shooting that occurred right there. And then, as we proceeded to make a long story short, we proceeded down the road. There was a tornado and hurricane that was coming on Myrtle Beach. And that's where Marcy lived. You know, it was just a very, very paying thing. And then it was a heavy rainstorm, and so we pull into pull into the parking lot at Marcy's apartment and. We're just thinking, well, now we've got to go up to the apartment. So I'm going to let Jeannie take over from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is significant, though. Whoever says you can hear you. Yeah. Um, well, it was very quiet, um, sad when I walked in. Mm-hmm. Then you see, start seeing all the stuff she brought from home, like pictures of, our, of us and her siblings and um, things that came from the house that she put all around and she had a nice little apartment. Um, so I was in charge of packing up her bedroom and I thought this could be horrible. 
Mm-hmm. And so I prayed and went in and honestly, peaceful place. Well, everybody else was on uh, in the rest of the apartment packing up the other things out there. And it was, uh, I think, for me, very helpful to see her things and to see her pictures and to touch it. You know, it was it was very helpful, but it was very painful. But I did but it. The Lord gave you peace in it to give you to give you the peace to, and the strength to be able to do yes. what you had to do. Yes. Yep. Because she had her things. And I think maybe that's because, too, um, you didn't have the gift of being able to be with her and say goodbye, to touch her, to hold her. Like a lot of people, if their loved ones are dying or they're sick of a disease, you can be around them and tell them how you love them. And she knew she was well-loved because she had the evidence of all of that around her in her room, which is an intimate place, your bedroom. You know, and so she wanted to feel the love of her family away from home, which speaks tremendously to um, your family unit, your circle, yeah. your family circle. And so I think, you know, I just love how the Lord um, set that up for you and help you mm-hmm. to um, feel that peace in that moment. It's such a beautiful moment. And um, I appreciate your sharing these painful moments because um, I know it's not easy, but um I think that other people may have had to do the same or maybe face with that, and maybe they can find some solace in it as mm-hmm. well. And so I just I just really appreciate um, your honesty and the rawness of emotions. And, you know, you all had decided, and you didn't have to. You could decide to just stay in a fetal position in your bed. Which, you know, and that's okay, too, for a while, you know. But you guys made the decision, all of you, your children, you and Bob, to face this sorrow head on. So that's what I want to do right now is just face death head on and just talk about it. Bob, you touched on it. You said, you know, you know, our God, death is God's enemy, and he's our enemy, and he was defeated on the cross. And what have you learned about how God views death, though? I mean... Do you have anything additional to add to that? Well, you know, one thing I've I've been meaning to say is we wrote this book knowing that what we went through that a lot of other people, you know, will go through. And we wrote it for them. And the reason why we wanted to be honest and and tell people what went on is we didn't want to paint this rosy picture that Marcy died. Everything was wonderful. She went to heaven. And, you know, there's no nothing else to the story, you know, and it's absolutely wonderful and beautiful that she went to heaven but people that lose a child will also say you know they wish they were still with them and and so we wanted to describe honestly what really we were feeling and you know when, when you face this situation or any morning situation or any really tough situation you have really two options and you know parents with this situation take two options one is to try to deny that it happened and just try to move on in life without dealing with the sorrow and grief you feel inside. And the other one is to be honest and find some forms and find some ways, whether it's talking to people, whether it's journaling, whatever. And you basically try to uh, be honest with a thing and live and live close to it. And one of the things I long, I heard a long time ago was a, guy that was a speaker at a Youth for Christ seminar who had five children under the age of five die. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he was talking about grief. He had five children under the age of five die. 
And uh, uh, this man was a pillar of strength, a pillar of God's goodness, a pillar of God's holiness. And that's what you'll see with people who walk closely to the Lord in the midst of this deep struggle. But he said, you know, the important thing is to come close to the people that have died and let their lights still be a part of your life, but to not try to run away from the pain that you're feeling, but to enter fully into the, into the pain. You know, I've got a whole section in the book on letting sorrow become your friend. And at first, sorrow seems like a scary thing that you don't want to be a part of. But as you grow into it and you get closer and closer to sorrow, you see sorrow becoming your friend. Mm-hmm. So we would intentionally do things that brought us closer to Marcy in the morning. You know, a couple of times in the book, I have dialogues, you know, with Marcy as she's in heaven and I'm down here. And what does Marcy think as a person that's in heaven? Or we went to her school. Uh, we, you know, when we we vacation right near Myrtle Beach, we would go down and in uh, her apartment to see it. Yeah, and then we would walk on the ocean where she did, and actually put some of her her ashes down right there by where she would be on the beach regularly. And so we would do things that would really draw us closer to Marcy. And those things, what we found is sorrow becomes your friend, even though it's like you. But you've read that book the way the book needs to be read, Gail. You read some, you sit back, you worship, you think, and let that thing dwell deep in your soul and then go back to it. And and that's what I'm trying to say in terms of sorrow can be just such a powerful builder and transformer of your life if you if you come close to it. And don't be afraid of revisiting the things. And you know, this may sound crazy, but I wore Marcy's sweatshirt for about four years. <laughs> oh, no, that's sweet. <laughs> I that's sweet. Yeah, but so it's the idea of you know letting it become letting letting it become closer closer to us. And uh, the other thing, I don't want to dominate the whole conversation, but no, no, go right ahead. Many times in the last. 20 years that Marcy, her presence was very, very, very special with us. It just was very obvious that Marcy was there and she was with us. And, you know, that sounds maybe sound like a little mystical kind of thing, but we've seen her presence in so many different ways. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, we know she's been there with us and uh, it's, it's just a very beautiful. And if you want me to, I can tell you some of the stories that occurred, but, you know, it's, you know, yeah, Dallas you, go Willard, ahead. Go ahead. Dallas Willard, super theologian. You know, he says that the great cloud of witnesses are very, very present, present with us. So, give a story. Hmm? Yeah. yeah, give a story. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Okay, yeah. here's a story. Jeannie can tell him one. You know, I had cancer three years ago. Oh my so, goodness, I didn't know. And so. Uh, you know, I have the operation, and the next, next morning I wake up and look at my email. Now, Marcy had a boyfriend in high school, and her family every year would, would go to the Caribbean. And so I haven't seen this girl or talked to her for 18 years. She sends me this video on an email of her and Marcy and Marcy's boyfriend dancing in the Caribbean. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, see? That's beautiful. See how the yeah. Lord steps up to the plate and gives you what you need. Mm-hmm. Because and, and, and you know, Marcy who is the mark who's the anvil, three different times she has appeared to people who are on their deathbed. 
and our one good friend and your good friend, his brother was on his deathbed, and his wife comes in and says, uh, Marcy just came and saw me. And she goes, what? Marcy just came and saw you? And she, wow. yeah, she said, she told me, don't fear. Everything's okay, George. <laughs> okay. I totally believe that. Yeah. I completely yeah. believe it. Yeah. I've had powerful experiences with um, – I've been with um, friends who have passed away early. Um, it's And, you know, I wasn't able to be with my dad. Um, he passed away on my moving day in 2018 when I was moving up here to Connecticut. Um, so I understand what you felt like when you weren't able to yeah. be with them and, and touch them. But the Spirit of the Lord was there. And, um, yeah. So, I, you know – I understand that, but the process of being with my father while I was dying, because we were, my nine sisters and brothers and I were all taking turns on a schedule to care for him, and yeah. it was, I wouldn't have traded as difficult as that was to watch him dying, and he was suffering, um, but being able to be with him and take care of him was such an honor and a gift. And sometimes yeah. while we're cleaning him, he would say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, Dad, you don't need to be sorry. This is such an honor and a privilege to do this for you because you've you've taken care of us your whole life. And so now it's just our turn to take care of you. But he would call out all the names, help, help, help. And I'm like, I'm right here, Daddy, I'm right here. And he, But he wasn't even looking at me, Bob and Jeannie. He was looking mm-hmm. straight ahead. He was looking straight ahead with his hand to his mouth going, help me, help me. And then he started calling out mom, dad, and all his sisters and brothers' names. He was the youngest of eight, and he called out all their names, and they have all passed before him. He was the baby of eight, and my father was 96 years old. So he, he began to call out their names, and I could tell he was looking at them. Mm-hmm. So yep. the, you know, my dad friend, died at too. And the, some of those same things you're talking about, he did that too when he was dying. Yeah. He called out and, and people's names. Yeah. 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 And see, you know, a friend of mine just lost his son in a skiing accident, and I was talking to him the other day, and I told him he's in a very, very holy time. But, you know, when you're yeah. with people that are very close to dying, it's a very, very holy time. And I've had people tell me this was the holiest moment I've ever experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so. There is a very, very special thing which you experience, which other people experience. If if you're not afraid and you go in there, there's just a special, special, special moment. It's a peace too, like you said. Yeah. You said the same thing, Jeannie. There's, you find that you found that peace in that moment, and it is a holy time. I think we're the closest to death when we're with somebody who's dying without actually dying. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for us. <laughs> Because you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Lord so strong there. And you know that you know that you know that the Lord is real, that heaven is real. And it does give you that peace that passes all understanding in the midst of that sorrow. And so before we – go ahead. There's another beautiful story that, you know, I think this is really worth telling because it's gone on now for 18 years. But, uh, you know, of course – their loss is far greater than a husband because of childbirth. And But anyway, we were, you know, Jeannie was very worried about the reality that when Marcy died, she died by herself. And mm-hmm. so when we were at the funeral, two different people came up to us, both that did not know each other. And they said, Marcy didn't die alone. She died with thousands of angels surrounding her. Oh, and the more you research oh, that, you find that that's true in scriptures. 
Now, the crazy thing is I have a friend from high school who lost his son a couple years before Marcy did, and I happened to spend a weekend with them right before Marcy died. And her son died in a trampoline accident. He actually was paralyzed and was in, you know, paralysis for two years. And so she got the book and was reading it, and she read the chapter about angels surrounding Marcy at her death, and she goes, man, you know, I think there's something that happened with Ben too. And so she says, I'm going to I'm gonna look at my journal and see what's there. And she was also very, very sad because she was not with her son when he died. So she looks up in her journal, and he had 24-7 care. And the woman that was getting ready to go and be with Ben for the day, basically her five-year-old son comes up to her and says, you're not going to be with Ben today because he's with the angels. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> and that was a powerful part we were with her a couple weeks after that and it was such a breakthrough for them as a couple you know that to know that ben didn't die alone from a five-year-old child you know um, <laughs> they say that children are sensitive to the spirits exactly, my mother yeah. my mother was very prophetic and had um throughout her whole life I could. I wish we had time. I could tell you all her prophetic stories, and um, she would. Um, but when she was a child, it started it when she was a child, and she said basically the same type thing because her aunt Jenny um, was dying, but nobody knew she was dying, and she said um, she saw an angel in her room that told her that her aunt Jenny had died, and so wow. she went. She went out and told her, you know, her mom and dad. Aunt Jenny said um, I, an angel came in my room. And she was probably about the same age, five, seven years old. And um, she goes, what are you talking about? And the next day, her uncle had come to say Jenny had died during the night. And, yeah, yeah, so I just think that children are, because they don't have any inhibitions. They don't don't question what they see or hear. (laughs) So, you know, if they see an angel, then they'll go, I saw an angel, you know. And so, but I think sometimes the Lord, you know, uses children for, uh, to deliver those messages for us um, because yep. sometimes adults can't believe it. Yeah, That's just my take on that. You know, I'm not an expert, but that's just my take on that. But yep. um, this has really been a beautiful hour. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's time for us to close out this portion of the program. But I can't thank you both enough. I love you both so much. Um, like I said earlier, you're so beloved in the community for your not just your leadership, but your heart, your um, the testimony of your love for Jesus, and just your devotion to other people's lives, to other people's families, and their children. You saved a lot of people yep. um, because you brought them all to Christ. And so, um, I just can't thank you enough for being open and honest to help other people. Again, just like you do. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just natural for who you two are. And so I just can't thank you both enough. And um, do you mind if I just say a quick prayer um, over you before we close? Let me say one thing. It's been a great reunion for us to to be able to unite with this. And it means so much that this book and this story means so much to you. (laughs) Oh, it really does. I know. You know what? It really does. Um. Thank you. That's okay. Thank thank you both very, very much. Um, I just I love you both, and this is just a beautiful way to close out, and we'll just pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you 
for Bob and Jeannie Arnold and their beautiful family. We thank you for the many ways they've given faithfully, graciously, and sacrificially into the lives of others. Thank you that they are proven servants for your holy name. We ask that you continue to heal their hearts that um, that miss their precious daughter and their sister Marcy. We ask that you continue to shelter them with your love and care and surround them with your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were someone, amen. If, if you're someone who's struggling with a past or recent loss, I strongly encourage you to check out When the Circle is Broken. I can tell you that you will be blessed for the experience. You'll have some heart surgery, but you will come out on the other side just like the Arnolds have. And I know that the Lord, he's not a respecter of persons, and he will give you that same surprising joy. You can go to Amazon at Amazon.com to purchase when the, when the Circle is Broken. Or if you would like to contact Bob and Jeannie Arnold, you can do so by emailing them respectively at Bob at Meadow, M-E-A-D-O-W, for the number four dot org, and Jeannie at Jeannie, J-E-A-N-N-E, at Meadow four dot org. On social media, you can follow Bob and Jeannie through Facebook on their Facebook page when the circle is. The Up to Me Magazine show will be back next Saturday morning at 10 a.m. with another fabulous guest to inspire and educate you. So mark your calendars and meet me here at the Gabby G Cafe. And on behalf of Mel D and myself and the entire cast of Up to Me Radio, this is Gabby G saying take five this week and be inspired to ask yourself about your own Up to Me journey. And come back and share it with us because you know what? It's your life, your journey. It's up to you. So take us out, Mel D, as we listen to our fabulous theme song, Wake Up, by Blessed Love Gospel Reggae Band. It's up to me to be the very best I can be.
can do this no longer, me, I'll be sick. Wake up, wake up, 